Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael Cox teaches on the whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalm 19, 1, the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah 6.3, and one called out to another saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, commander of angel armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. We want the whole earth to be filled with his glory. I remember, I don't know how many years ago it it was, I was going to a a Father's Day retreat, uh, Power Church of God was having, my dad was hosting, and I was on my way to it, and he asked me to share something, and while I was driving up there, I was singing, anybody ever heard that old song, Let the Glory of the Lord Rise Among Us? Anybody ever heard that song? Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. I love that song. And I'm sitting there listening to that song, singing that song. I don't think I was listening to it because it probably didn't come on the radio. I was just singing it. I don't know why. And then I was thinking about that reality, let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Now, I would always thought of the glory of the Lord falling on us, Right? The glory that was so thick in the temple that they couldn't even stand it. They couldn't even do their jobs. The priests, nobody could even function because the glory was so thick. The glory that led the Israelites out of Egypt. The glory cloud, the fire by night and the cloud by day, right? The glory of God that separated them from the Egyptians and protected them. The glory of God that Moses said, let your glory go with me. This external manifestation, this glory that, that, that rests on and leads and guides and is displayed. And so, but that song, I had sang it mindlessly for so long, but I'm singing it that day and I'm actually not just caught up in a service and I'm singing the song and I'm like, what does that mean? Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. I mean, how does it rise among us? It started making me really contemplate and think so often we want this external glory to rest on us but the glory no longer only rests on us but it abides in us it abides in us what is the glory what is his holiness Isaiah 6 3 holy holy is the Lord God commander of angel armies The whole earth is filled with his glory. His holiness is what he is as God that nobody else is. I love Pastor Tom's definition, complete and lacking nothing. His holiness is his complete, this thing is ringing still, his complete and lacking nothingness. Do I need to grab another mic? Think this one's going to quit? It's his complete and... Lacking nothingness. I don't need any monitors. Is it the house that's doing it? You can take all the monitors off 
if you want to, I'll do without to keep it from ringing. His holiness is who he is, his complete and lacking nothing. It is the quali- his quality of perfection that can't be improved upon, that can't be imitated, that is incomparable, that determines all that he is and is determined by nothing from outside of him. Nothing outside of him determines who he is. He's whole, complete, and lacking nothing. It signifies his infinite worth, his intrinsic, infinite value. That's his holiness. So what's the glory? I love this. The glory of God is the manifest beauty of his holiness. So God is holy, complete, and lacking nothing. Again, Pastor Tom, his definition for glory is the essence and reputation. The essence and reputation. So he's holy, and his glory is the manifest of the beauty of his holiness. He could be holy all day, and we wouldn't know it unless we saw his glory. His glory is him showing us his holiness, okay? And so he showed us his holiness in the Old Testament externally. Are you with me? He showed us his glory externally. Then he sent his son, and his son put on flesh and walked among us, and we saw him. We saw his glory. So he displayed his glory through his son. But his son said, it's expedient for you that I go away so the Holy Spirit can come. And then we literally take the glory of God inside of us and we display it to the world around us. So we actually communicate to the world the holiness of God through our life. And so he's holy, complete and lacking nothing. But how does the world know? Yes, there's amazing external signs and wonders. There's amazing things that he's still doing today. There's amazing miracles that he's doing today. But we cannot leave the kingdom advancement up to God doing signs and wonders. He left his disciples and he worked with them to confirm his word through signs and wonders. He worked with them. We have a responsibility to work with God through signs and wonders. We display his holiness, his goodness through our lives. I love Psalm uh, 73, 24. With your counsel, you will guide me and afterward receive me to glory. You know, we used to call it glory. Over in glory. We're going to glory. What's amazing is, you know why we call that glory? You ever think about why we call that glory? It's the manifest holiness of God. He's the light. I mean, just everything in heaven is glory. It's glory land. It's, it's you know, it's not Disneyland. It's glory land. Everything displays the holiness of God in heaven. It's glory. And so we want to display that glory. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I also have been known fully. So we can talk about the glory of God. We can talk about the holiness of God, but we're still looking at his glory, his holiness through a glass dimly. We won't know the full wholeness of God till we see him 
face to face. So it's up to the Holy Spirit to be able to display through us the holiness of God. We could not possibly fabricate it in our mind and accurately depict the holiness of God. It's a miracle of the Holy Spirit that we can bring glory to God. It's a miracle of the Holy Spirit that we can bring glory to God. 2 Corinthians 3.18, we can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We're being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We're being transfigured into his very image and we're becoming glorious. We display his glory. The world should be able to see Jesus through our lives. I was looking at Facebook yesterday, and uh, I'm going to embarrass my aunt to death. She's watching. I saw earlier Connie. Can you guys put that picture up? I jokingly told her I was going to preach about her today, but the more I reflected on it last night, I wanted to preach about her today. This is a post from a young lady who worked with Connie for many years, and here's what she said. I spend most of my week with these precious women. They are my work family. One of them is leaving us, and although I'm happy for her, I'm extremely sad for us. In my lifetime, I have crossed paths with two very special, extremely godly women, like the kind that make me want to know Jesus more for just being around them. Want to make me know Jesus more just for being around them. They've displayed his glory and whet their appetite to want to know him more. Connie is one of those two. Her presence puts me at peace, and I know when she tells me I'm in her prayers that I'm in a safe place. We've all already felt a huge void since she's been off, and now her absence with no return has our hearts broken. Connie, enjoy your retirement. You absolutely deserve it. We love you. I'm thinking about some of the things that we place of highest importance. Now, listen, I'm a spirit-filled preacher. I want us to have spirit-filled meetings. I want the gifts of the spirit to be at work in our body. But gifts are gifts. They're gifts. They're gifts. They, you don't have to earn them. They're just gifts. What takes work is fruit. What takes cultivating for many years is fruit. And so we can keep waiting on a glory, an external glory, to do the work of the kingdom without our participation, or we can submit ourselves to that glory and let that glory bring transformation transfiguration, take us from glory to glory, and we display the holiness of God in the world around us by displaying fruit. 
it makes me want to know Jesus more. Now, I know my aunt. So this didn't come from all the sermons she's preached in the break room. This didn't come from all the prophetic words that she's given. I'm sure she's given many, made and not even knowing what she was doing. But this isn't from all the amazing, awesome spiritual gifts, the words of knowledge that she's given and all these things. You know what this has come from? This has come from probably at times being mistreated and responding with patience and self-control, kindness, gentleness, and love has caused them to see Jesus and want to know him more. There's no shortcut to producing the fruit. See, we want to be partakers of something that we should be producers of. We're waiting on some outward manifestation and glory to come in and take over and build a church when we should be we should be producing glory as we're connected to him and the vine. I've skipped all around on my notes. Let me see if I can get back to somewhere. Second Corinthians 4, 6 through 18. For God, for God who said, let brilliant light shine out of darkness is the one who has cascaded his light into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. We are like common clay jars that carry this glorious treasure within so that the extraordinary overflow of power will be seen as God's, not ours. Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but we're not out. We continually share in the death of Jesus in our own bodies so that the resurrection life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. Sometimes we can't let the resurrected Christ be displayed in us because we won't let the, the, we won't join him in his death. We're so trying to keep ourselves alive that we can't display the resurrected Christ. But death has to be at work in us. We have to die. What made Connie display the glory of God to those people were points of death, I'm sure. Do you understand? It's points of, I want to do this. I want to respond here. I want to do this. And her saying, no, I'm going to take up a cross and follow him and cultivate fruit in my life. We consider, where was I? Somebody help me. Uh, Corinthians, good job, son. <sighs> We consider living to mean that we're constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus will be revealed through our humanity. So then Jesus says it is at work in us, but it releases life in you. We have the same spirit of faith 
that it is as described in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith. So we also first believed and speak in faith. We do this because we are convinced that he who raised Jesus will raise us up with him. And together we will all be brought into his presence. Yes, all things work for your enrichment so that more of God's marvelous grace will be spread to more and more people, resulting in an ever an even greater increase of praise to God, bringing him even more glory. It works for our enrichment, but brings him glory. Romans 8, 28 says, All things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. So things work for our good and for his glory. They're enrichment to us and they bring glory to him unless they don't. Unless they don't. See, things working together for our good is up to him. Him receiving the glory is up to us. Listen to this new song out yesterday. There's no way I can even remember how it goes, but it just says he gets the glory for this. He gets the glory for this. It's what's made me started contemplating. I was going somewhere else today, but I just could not get away from it. If we want his glory to cover the earth like waters cover the sea, then he can't just get glory over all the warm, fuzzy things that we want to give him glory for. We've got to find a way in all the things that are working together for our good, even if we don't understand it, to bring him glory for it. In the middle of it, we have to bring him glory for it. We have to display his glory. I think there's two temptations to rob God of his glory. In plenty... In plenty, when everything's going great, when we're in victories and we're flying high on cloud nine, the temptation is to glorify ourselves or others or things. Things get going so good and we start to look at, man, I really did a good job getting here. I think it's amazing how sometimes when things go bad, we're like, God, why did you do this? And when things go good, we're like, yes, I did it. So God's responsible for everything bad that happens in life, and you're responsible for everything good that happens in your life. We give him all the praise for all the bad <laughs> in a bad way. We give him all the credit for the bad, we attach the bad to his glory, we misinterpret his essence and his reputation to the world around us in the bad, and then we take all the credit for the good, or, man, it's because this person did it for me. It's because this situation was just right, and man, I owe it all to them, or them, or this happened, or we start celebrating our stuff. We just love our stuff. Look at, uh, let's see, Romans 1, 21. Throughout human history, 
the fingerprints of God were upon them, yet they refused to honor him as God or even be thankful for his kindness. Instead, they entertained corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts, steeped in moral darkness. Although claiming to be super intelligent, I love this in our society right now. All of the super intelligent people that are so smart. You didn't even know all your friends were such experts, did you? Just until the last year. I have learned how smart everyone is. Brilliant. I had no idea. None. I, I did not know. I mean, some of my friends, I thought they were dense a little bit, honestly. But I have learned over the last year, they are brilliant. They are brilliant. They have so much insight and information about a myriad of topics. I mean, that's not even a word, right? Myriad. Myriad. Close. That's what I get for trying to use a big word. What was the word I said last week? Oh, look at, oh, I know what it was. God, it was horrible. I've had been able to sleep this week. It was so bad. Right off the top of her head, she knows what it is. Thanks for covering me. You messed up last week? I didn't even realize. What did you say? Oh, yeah, we were all talking about it at lunch. It was so crazy. I think it was last week. So, gosh, I just want to tell you, man, y'all, that laugh sounded so good. I just want to make you laugh more. Let me just tell you this one little thing. It reminded me so much of a little story, that light bulb going off in your head. Oh, yeah, you did that. That was so stupid. And everybody, we were... Jahan and I were in Chattanooga, youth pastoring. She was doing worship, and we were out eating one night at Chop House or somewhere, and this couple comes up to us. And uh, they're good friends of ours now. We love them. And, uh, but they, it, they were visiting the church. They had visited the church the previous Sunday. So they came up and said, hey, we saw you leading worship. And we saw you're the youth pastor. We just want to introduce ourselves. We were there this last Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And, and so the lady says, a backstory. So in staff meeting, after that Sunday, we literally had a discussion in staff meeting about the health of one of the children that was in the nursery that day, that nobody knew that child, and we were contemplating if we should speak with his parents because he was so overweight, this little child, okay? It's funny now. It wasn't then. So, but we were, we were ignorant. We were like, man, that kid was really big, you know? I wonder if that's okay. We might should talk to his parents or somebody. And so this couple comes up to us and they say, we were there Sunday, blah, blah, blah. And, and we were just trying to place them. And they're like, you probably noticed we're the ones with the really big baby. <laughs> and they're just laughing, you know. And I literally look over and I see the light bulb go off in Jahan's head. <laughs> and I'm literally... I'm like slow motion under the table. 
trying to stop her. <laughs> and before I can get there, and if I had got there, Jahan would have said, why are you hitting me under the table? That, she does that to me. She does that to me. But before I could get over there, she says, oh, that's the baby we were talking about in staff meeting. I promise. Lord is my witness. They were like, oh, you were talking about our baby in staff meeting? Thank goodness these people are really amazing, really comfortable, confident people. And they're doctors. He's a, their, the dad is a doctor, and they were fine, but it freaked me out. So it's just like Emily just did. Y'all are perfect. Just sit right there together and miss all the social cues and just blast me in front of. Anyways, I misspoke a word last week. It is the one minute and 20 second clip they chose to use for the high sermon highlight. I'm like, no, guys, I didn't. That's why Megan's not here today. I fired her. I'm kidding. She couldn't be here today. So I don't know what clip we're taking. I think we're taking from there. Don't take Mirod. I had no idea I had such amazing friends that were so brilliant about every topic. It's amazing. They should run for office or something somewhere. I don't even know what I was saying before all that. But we glorify ourselves. What, 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 seriously, where was I? God, y'all so distracted me. Yes, they're super intelligent. They were, in fact, shallow fools. For only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of other humans, idols made to look like people, animals, birds, and even creeping reptiles. This is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their body, bodies by sexual perversion among themselves, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. They worshiped and served the things of God made rather than the God who made all things. Glory and praises to him for eternity of eternities. Amen. See, when things are going good, sometimes we have a tendency to enter into idol worship. We start worshiping things instead of the one who created things, instead of the one who provided a way for us to obtain things. And we're bringing no glory to God as we worship our idol of things. We're bringing no glory to God as we sit around and pat ourselves on the back that we've made some type of intelligent descent or we've somehow found a way to crack the code to make money and we are so brilliant that we have arrived. We bring no glory to God in that at all. So there's times when things are going great that we lose focus and we don't give honor to God. Second temptation, I believe, is in lack, we glorify the devil. 
I said this a few weeks ago on our truck talk, by murmuring and complaining. In essence, we lie about God's nature. We're supposed to be showing forth his glory so his glory can cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. But when bad things happen and we're murmuring and complaining and we're talking about how bad life is as someone who claims to be a follower of Christ, we're literally saying God is broken. Thank you. Anybody else? God is broken is what we're saying. We're saying that his essence and his reputation is of a corrupt, bankrupt, unable to care for his children, God. Because something went wrong. Something went bad. Am I the only one or can everyone say sometimes we're just ridiculous? Ridiculous. Completely consumed by our emotions. Stub our toe. Oh, God, why have you forsaken me? And we're so quick. I mean, every time, stuck in traffic. God, why is it so hard for you to make the lights green? I mean, we're so quick. I mean, is it not one of the first things we say when something goes bad? Oh, God, how could this be? Oh, God, how could you let me? But how come when he comes through and he changed things for our good, it's not the first thing we say? Oh, God, how could this be? You're so good. It's like he can't win with us sometimes to display his glory to the world around us. If I make things, if I come through and I do a miracle on your behalf, you give glory to something else. If I don't do one little thing that really has nothing to do with me, life just happens, but you blame all the bad stuff on me. What are we doing to the glory of God is what I'm asking today. What are we doing to his essence and his reputation? What are we displaying to the world around us? It's his holiness. It's complete and lacking nothingness. And we should be displaying that so the world can know it. It's going to take some intentionality. I wanted to go somewhere and really talk about the gifts versus fruit. But I'm not going to do that today. Maybe we'll pick it back up next week. But it's going to take some intentionality. Seriously. That's where the fruit comes in. It's going to take some self-control. See, I believe the gifts are like those little things that uh, go and dig a little hole and put a seed in. Anybody ever seen those things you just push or pull or whatever, and it's like a wheel and... It goes in. It's like the mechanism that plants the seed. Gifts are. Gifts are free. I mean, it doesn't, it, gifts are not evidence that you're mature. Fruit is evidence that you're mature. I, I can't avoid it. 
John 15, I am glorified, the Father is glorified when you bear much fruit. If you abide in me, then you'll bear much fruit. All those that are fruitless, I love the Passion Translation because when you look at it and you break it down, the Passion Translation is the most, is the in that passage is the closest thing to what it really says because so many times we said if you don't bear fruit, you're cast away. But it really says that you're lifted up. So when you're not bearing fruit, but you're still connected to the vine, he nurtures you, props you up, ties a string around it, you know, does all the things to cause you to be able to bear fruit. Now, once you disconnect yourself from the vine, you're thrown into the fire. Now, I can't, I can't change that verse for you. The passion can't do that. You know, some we love these new translations. Nobody dies. Nobody suffers. Nobody goes to hell. It's amazing. Now, you can't change that. If you separate yourself from the vine, there's no hope for you to produce fruit. You've chose to separate yourself. But you got to produce fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Gifts are what get your fruit into the mouth, into the belly of the person who needs to produce fruit themselves. Does that make sense? Gifts literally just take the fruit that's in you and imparts it into someone else through the gift. Let no words, no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but words that bring edification to the hearer, that give grace to them and cause increase and expansion in them. See, your words, when your tongue is submitted in any of spiritual gifts, it is to produce inside of them, to deposit inside of them some of that fruit which has in it seed, which causes them to not only consume it, from your life, but produce it in their life. But you can operate in a gift without fruit, and you'll be like 1 Corinthians 13, you're just making noise. You're like that little machine that doesn't have any seeds in it. Mm, all you're doing is putting holes in things. You ain't putting any, you ain't producing anything. So gifts without fruit... Or just a symbol. Clang, 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 clang. And fruit don't pop up overnight. You can get a gift overnight. If anyone likes wisdom, ask. It's a gift. If you fathers know how to give gifts to your children, how much more do I know how to give good gifts? He'll give you a gift. It's free. He'll just give it to you. But if you want to have some fruit, you got to cultivate you got to be connected in intimacy to him. And you get it when you're in intimacy with him, you start showing him. You start displaying, and people say about you, I, when I'm around them, I see Jesus, and it makes me want to know him more. Not because of your gift, but because of your fruit. Gifts are pointless if they're not depositing substance. Gifts are free. Fruit has to be cultivated. It is birthed out of intimacy with him. Can y'all stand up with me today? 
I want the whole earth to be covered with the glory of God like the waters cover the sea. First Corinthians six twenty, you were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then use your body to bring glory to God. Isaiah sixty one through three, rise up in splendor and be radiant, for your light has dawned, and Yahweh's glory now streams from you. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. It streams from you. Look carefully. Darkness blankets the earth and thick gloom covers the nations, but Yahweh arises upon you. And the brightness of his glory appears over you. Nations will be attracted to your radiant light and kings to the sunrise glory of your new day. You're the light of the world. A city on a hill that can't be hid. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. Prayer team, can you come this morning? Somebody can come and play as we dismiss. thought of it this way you guys know how my my analogies are 50-50 at best <laughs> Harold that's a little too much laughter on the front row up here buddy <laughs> by the way Harold took me lunch this week amazing Cuban place I'm open we got some more appointments open for lunch. You know, we saw in the videos how important it is for us to go and eat together. So I'm available to do that. I saw this as an analogy. It's like winning the lottery. So often the church is counting on Winning the glory lottery. Man, I love our city. I love our community. I love our state and our nation. I love my family. I love whoever you love. Lord, just let your glory fall so they'll know you and see you. We're sitting around buying Sometimes we're just attending church. That's like our ritualistic buying of our lottery ticket. Like one day the glory ship will come in. One day if we get the songs right and get Nolan right on the keys, like the glory will get to a place that it will do everything God wants to do. And listen, I'm all about us doing all we can to host his glory in that measure. I love a word that Becky Young gave sometime last year here. She just looked out and she saw us all just 
Nobody could stand. We were all just on our faces. How amazing. But I'm going to tell you, I've literally been in that atmosphere before. And it still didn't do anything outside of that room we were in. Unless some people that were laying on the floor on their faces chose to carry that glory outside of the building. Like, it doesn't help. If, if the glory being thick in the temple to where the priest can't minister was enough, why did Jesus come and rent the veil and unleash it for all of us to be able to share it? So let's don't come in here every week and wait on the glory to get thick enough where we all can really enjoy it. Let's go to work. Like, don't wait on the lottery. Go to work. Like, if you're waiting on a lottery to buy your place, a place to live, you're going to be homeless. If you're waiting on the glory lottery for your family to see who he is, they're going to be bankrupt. You go to work every day. You put in time. You earn a check. You, and this ain't about striving, but it's about walking in relationship with him. And it takes just little things, living a life that brings glory to him. And whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. There's no exception. I know the joke is you drag your kids to church. I saw an analogy yesterday. This church had this massive tube. It was probably three or four foot wide, and it was 20 feet tall, and it was full of ping pong balls, a clear tube full of, full of orange ping pong balls. And then there was a tube maybe, maybe three feet tall, much more narrow, full of ping pong balls. And this tower represented the amount of time parents have with their children in a year. This tower represented the amount of time the church has with your children in a year. You're taking a gamble if you're waiting on the glory lottery to catch your kid while he's at church. Man, if I can just get my family to come to church with me, there is nothing that you should have to, that they would have to come here to get from him. After you make them so hungry for him, so much want to know him more, that's awesome if they want to come here and discover more of who he is. But it shouldn't take the church building to make them want to know God. Your life should do that. Your fruit should do that. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. While we're waiting on manifest glory in greater measure, and we'll love it and enjoy it and entertain you all week and host you, we want the manifest glory. But God, we don't want to check out of hosting your glory in our life, in everything we do, in who we are and how we handle conflict, and how we live in the workplace, and how we live at school. Let the glory of the Lord rise among us. Let the glory of the Lord rise among me.
We love you. You're holy. You're holy. You're holy. Lord, we just repent today. Can anybody join me? We just repent today. We repent today for not displaying your glory. We repent for acting like orphans. We repent for acting like fatherless orphans who murmur and complain at the slightest little difficulty that we have to walk through. It's for our good and it's for your glory. And we don't want it just to be for our good. We want it to be for your glory. You've been so good. You've been so faithful. So God, will you take my hands? Will you take my feet? Will you take my mouth? I just yield them today as instruments of righteousness to bring glory to you. Holy Spirit, will you help me? Holy Spirit, will you help me? Holy Spirit, when I open my mouth in a time of crisis and I begin to say or start to say things that are not true and aren't glorifying to you, Would you help me? Would you close my mouth? Would you convict my heart? Would you remind me of who you are and who you're not so I can refocus and recalibrate? Like Jahan said this morning, tipping the scales We want to bring glory to you. We want your glory to cover the earth like the water covers the sea. Do it in me. Do it in all of us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Redemption Life.